I was reading about some of the athletes that were training to run, and I came across the story of Adriana Hazlitt, a girl from Back Bay that was a spectator at the 2013 marathon. Unfortunately, her leg was injured really bad that day in the bombing, and she had to have her leg amputated. But that didn't stop her. She went on to complete the marathon in 2016 as a runner, running all 26 miles on a carbon fiber blade. Just last year, as she was training to take on the challenge again, would you believe she was hit by a car? She was thrown in the air, landed on her left side, and spent weeks in the hospital painfully recovering from multiple surgeries. Despite enduring those terrible, traumatic events in her life, Hazlitt refused to let herself be a victim, and she's become a symbol of resilience. She sums up her circumstances perfectly in this statement, and I quote, I am more than my broken pieces, she said. I had to completely redefine myself after losing my leg. And I know that I can do that again after being hit by a car. What an amazing story. Tonight, we focus our attention on our second woman of influence in this series. An amazing woman, much like Adriana Hazlitt, that was not defined by her circumstances, but rather she was devoted to God. Her name was Hannah. And we find her story in 1 Samuel. And if you'd like to grab your Bible or the U version, you can follow along with me as I read some selections from the story of Hannah, beginning in 1 Samuel. There was a certain man from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her and irritating her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. 
they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Reading an old story, we might ask ourselves, how can I relate to this? How does the story speak to me on a personal level? Well, there's, there's a lot more that we can relate to Hannah than you might think. Hannah means grace, and her life was crowned with just that. Let me give you a little backstory about the time that she was living in. This was a time of great spiritual darkness in Israel's history. But Hannah stood out as a ray of light, a godly person. Even in a spiritually cold generation, she exemplified prayerfulness and meekness, spiritual devotion and deep love. As an example of their devotion to God, Hannah and her husband faithfully traveled to the tabernacle of worship to offer sacrifice. It was one of those trips to the tabernacle that we see the first example of Hannah's character play out and her ability to overcome adversity. You see, Hannah was not able to have children. Many years had passed and Hannah was still barren. She longed for a child, but year after year, she saw her desire go unmet. Her desire for a child was not self-motivated. It wasn't about getting what she wanted. It was about self-sacrifice, giving herself to a little child in order to give that child back to the Lord. To multiply the pain of her inability to have a child, Elkanah's other wife constantly provoked Hannah, reminding her of her infertility, which led to constant anguish for Hannah, as she would see Peninnah's two children every day. Which leads us to the next example of the adversity that Hannah faced. Hannah lived with bigamy. Her husband had two wives. Now, in these days, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I can't even imagine sharing my husband with another woman. And I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> but Elkanah's possession of two wives shouldn't be taken as a mark against his character because bigamy was not condemned in that day. But I'm sure that jealousy and pain was a part of Hannah's everyday life. Hannah was the favorite wife, but even that preference would have magnified the bitter rivalry between the two wives. Now let's just stop the story here for a second. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, what if we were living in quarantine with a nagging extra wife or husband? Can you imagine that? It makes me laugh. It would be terrible. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon tonight, I want you to stop and be thankful for your living conditions during these times of stay-at-home orders. Because as far as I know, 
None of us have a nag, an extra nagging wife or an extra nagging husband around. Perhaps you might not be able to relate exactly to these types of adversity, the types that Hannah faced, but what about the things in our lives that we've dealt with for months or even years? What about disappointments or frustrations with a situation that just doesn't seem to go away, that doesn't seem to resolve? What about jealousy or a nagging person that constantly tries to bring you down? Can you relate to any of those types of adversity? In spite of adversity, Hannah was a woman of faith. In fact, Hannah is portrayed as one of the most faith-filled women in the Old Testament. We can learn through her faith during adversity. It's evident that her prayer life played a huge role in the way she processed the obstacles that she faced. Let's take a look at her commitment to prayer in this story. Let's go back to verse 10. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. In this prayer, Hannah is shown avoiding the faults of Sarah. If you remember, Sarah was the first infertile woman mentioned in the Bible. But Sarah looked to crafty schemes to fix her problem, as to where Hannah sought help from God, God alone. She didn't pursue crafty schemes to fix her problem. She went straight to the source, God Almighty. In verse 18, we see Hannah's departure from the sanctuary as an example of faith that has overcome. So she went straight to the source, and that is really awesome. In verse 18, we see that Hannah's departure from the sanctuary is an example of faith that was overcome. The scripture reads, she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Though she had approached the Lord in despair, she left God's presence elevated and transformed. She did what she'd come to the tabernacle to do. She brought her case before the Lord, and now she was content to leave the matter in his hands. There is real humility in that kind of faith to be able to cast our cares on the Lord and leave it with him. Have you ever had a time in your life where you had to completely trust God and trust him in his timing? I'm reminded of a time a few years ago when I was working at a very difficult office. The work environment was becoming more and more toxic. I really wanted to quit this job and find another one, but I've never been a quitter. And as I prayed over this situation, I felt the Lord telling me that I needed to continue in the job longer. And when the timing was right, he would open the door for a new job, a better job. I had to give the situation to him and rest in his timing. You know, it was a full year that I stayed at that job, and it wasn't easy. 
But then the Lord released me from that job and gave me a new and better one. And several other blessings came my way because I waited during that time. As we see in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. As I left my job situation with God and trusted in his timing, God heard Hannah. Her prayers were answered, and the outcome was a lot more exciting than a job change. God blessed her with a baby boy. That leads us to the final thought in this amazing story. Hannah demonstrates the ability to hold loosely to the thing that she treasured. Hannah made a vow to give up her most precious possession, Samuel. She asked for a son, and she knew in her heart that he would be given up to serve in the tabernacle. She knew her time with Samuel would be short. She would care for him during his most formative years while he learned to walk and talk, and she was the one that taught him his first lessons about God. The best model of vow fulfillment in the Old Testament is, pre is presented here. Both Elkanah and Hannah made vows to the Lord, and they fulfilled them diligently. How easy it is for us to make a vow to God in a crisis and then be tempted to not keep those vows. Can I just add that Elkanah is particularly exemplary in this area too. He affirmed his wife's right to make a vow that would affect him. After all, Samuel was his son too. It's such a good example of a mate that would support a vow that was made by his wife. In conclusion, the child was given a name that memorialized Hannah's bold faith. The name Samuel, which is derived from the Hebrew phrase meaning asked from God, reminds us of her faith and the Lord's gracious response to her request. Samuel became a towering figure in Israel's history. The whole course of Israel would have changed if Hannah had not listened to God and responded through adversity, persistent prayer, and keeping a vow. Samuel became the spokesperson for God. He was involved in selecting the first two kings of Israel. He consistently heard the voice of God in a time when God seemed silent. I'm thinking of this today and thinking how we need people like Hannah and Samuel in our world today. You will remember that Hannah's name means grace, which reminds of us of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The gospel demonstrates the Savior who, like Hannah, overcame obstacles. He prayed to the Father and he kept his vow, saying, Not my will 
but your will be done. Let me leave you with some things to consider as we apply today's teaching. Think about these things. Can you identify adversity in your life as an opportunity to draw closer to God? Are you truly casting your cares on the Lord, finding your resolve as you fully give it to Him? How much value do you put on something that you own or desire in this life? And are you willing to keep your vow when God answers the desires of your heart? I know I've been challenged studying about Hannah's life this week, and I hope that you've been challenged too. Can I pray with you?